This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton, only on Netflix May 16th. A quick note before we get into the episode, Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello, and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. How's it going? Happy New Year. I mean, it's weird because this comes out, it's like the 16th, we're well past the the new year time, but I haven't seen you in a while. Yes, I know. I missed your face. I'm so happy to see you. It's really nice to be back. Nice long break. New Year's actual Eve was really fun, which usually it's not. You know, once you have kids, you're not getting a babysitter on New Year's and it's usually just kind of falling asleep early and feeling pretty lame. But we, um, we started doing karaoke. Oh, that's fun. Which was really fun. In your house? in our house with all the kids and Jeff obviously is like a really amazing singer. So I oh, feel yeah, like that's more fun. <laughs> Someone's feel, good at it. <laughs> it's not like just sitting there being like, Oh God, when is this going to be over? This person's terrible. Like it's actually like seeing a really good right. live performance kind of thing. That makes sense. Cause it's fun. I feel like if there's no one who's good, you kind of all have to just be really drunk. Um, <laughs> From my experience, yeah, yeah. like we're all you're all just kind of like screaming, um, yes. and you don't mind that if you're all been drinking heavily. That's funny, that sounds like a lot more, yeah, fun, especially with kids. I think if people are good, yeah, and they had a good time with it. I mean, they don't have a lot of patience for sitting and listening to anyone else, so you know, it was just fun watching them do their little songs, and it was it was just a good way, a good family fun way to spend New Year's. That is, and we really ended up fun. actually like pretty much making it to midnight so i felt like we had a kind of a rager brooks didn't he went to bed early but the girls stayed up and square yeah (laughs) (laughs) he he actually got close considering he's only six he uh (laughs) he made it pretty far but um yeah it was a really i i really enjoyed it and we've started doing it like we did it again on saturday night and it was just really fun you know like jeff and i had a drink and the kids you know did their thing karaoke and it was just it's a maybe you guys could start a band maybe i'm family i happen to be probably the worst musician in the family like i can't sing i can't play an instrument but it's fun watching everybody else do it you could be the manager oh yeah i'll be the manager like in the movie selena (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's my role. But it was it was a really fun way to spend New Year's Eve. It was a good that start. That sounds really fun. I went to the Taylor Swift cover band concert the other day. Oh, how we was should... that? I went with like a bunch of girlfriends and we had like a pregame and it's funny. We, we like it we it was a really fun night, but we got there kind of late cuz we I think it we assumed there was like a starter or something. It was like six of us like 34-year-old women kind of drunk and um we should <laughs> It's like Everyone there is like nine years old. Um, 
<laughs> and the only other women our age there are like the moms just like watching their nine-year-olds. Right. At least you got a good view right over the top of their heads. <laughs> yeah. That was helpful. But it was just funny because we were like a little too ragey, I think, for the vibe. Okay. <laughs> right. That's funny. It was just kind of funny. But then I was thinking like if I had a – I don't know if nine's probably too old for this. But let's say I had a six-year-old who like really loved Taylor Swift. Could I bring them to this like much cheaper Taylor Swift cover band and just tell them it was the real thing? Like would they know the difference? Would that be ethical? I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with no, but – you can't tell them that it's like the real thing. She like dressed up. She like looked like the looked real thing. Like her. She had like it, a bolt like the wig. Like I mean, it's she, pretty cool. I mean, you probably yeah. paid twenty dollars for it instead of you know five hundred and right. had a good time. It's funny because uh, we've talked about this. Aside from the fact that you're like not in the room with the person, I'm sure the music sounded similar. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have like the finest tuned ear, but right. did it did the job for me yeah you're bopping around to the music yeah all right let's discuss it when you have your six-year-old and we'll 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 okay. uh, evaluate if that's <laughs> we'll okay or not if, if we can lie to them about uh <laughs> about that well we have an interesting email about just that topic so i'm excited to get it's actually kind of the same thing I yeah think it's, it's like is it santa as- i don't know is it taylor swift maybe if you believe Right. Close your eyes. Or, you know, even you open your eyes. She looks just like her. We can circle back on this ethical dilemma later. But I hope everyone listening also had good New Year's. And thank you guys for writing in. You We received so many emails um, and a lot of voicemails. Maybe we'll do those in the next few episodes about people's dreams, wanting us to interpret these dreams. I'm excited for this. I think, yeah, hearing someone's dream just like randomly in a very casual context can be very boring. But if you are going to sit down and dig in and really get the juice out of it, I think it's pretty fascinating. I agree, especially when it's, I think it's when it's recurring that it feels like Mm -hmm. very obviously like a thing that needs to be unpacked. Totally. Agree completely. Because sometimes you just have like a weird day, like you saw something weird during the day and then you dream about it. And that seems less significant. That's why dreams are so fascinating because sometimes they're just like, I saw this weird image today and my brain is trying to make sense of it. So when I go to sleep, it's going to implant it into a sensical story or some, it's going to like take this little image that I saw and try to make sense of it in my dream. And it really means nothing about your life or your mental health or anything. And then sometimes you have this type of thing where it's like kind of almost like a mundane thing even that just keeps repeating. And it's like, wait, why does this keep coming back? Right. Yeah. And I think that's, those are really good. Stuff. Sometimes when you watch a weird movie, I feel like that happens. Oh, a lot. Yeah. Like you get pieces of the movie kind of locked into the dream. We had a lot of submissions. If you guys want to submit, you can email us at oversharingyourpatches.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. If you're going to submit a dream, give us as much detail, background, because I'd love it if we had the dreamer here with us, but we don't. So Relevant info. Yes. Yes. But don't make it too long. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, you're the one that really reads through and screens these, so you'll have to... You'll have to do that. But well, it's funny when I well, just for, so you guys know, when I do read the emails, there's a sweet spot of the length of like you get all the info. But then sometimes the and I understand why people do this because they're like, well, I might as well include all the information. If it's too long, if it takes like more than six minutes to read, that's too long. Yes. So how about <laughs> this? Can I ask a question? How about this? How about 
if, if you're going to submit, give like a summary of the dream up top, and then you can give the background information. So you can get an idea of like, is this an interesting yes. dream? Are we going to want to do this? And then they can give you like the nitty gritties that you don't necessarily need to read through to get the info. Maybe that's the best Love way to that. do it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Give that a try. All right. I'll read the first one. Hi, Dr. Naomi and Jordana. Love the pod. Thanks for all you do. Inspired by your dream discussion. I keep having dreams that I'm the other woman in a relationship with a childhood friend slash crush who in real life is married with several kids. The dreams have been recurrent for at least five years, and I haven't seen the childhood crush in at least seven years. I'm currently single, but the dreams happened during my last relationship as well. In the dream, I feel excited that I'm finally together with my longtime crush, but his wife is always looming in the background. (laughs) He promises me they're not together, but in the dream, I still know I can't fully have him. Sometimes I'll also have intrusive thoughts of a memory about him and feel creepy because, again, I haven't seen this person in years and have no existing relationship with him. As a young child, we spent a lot of time together, but we grew apart starting in middle school. Then we reconnected in high school, working together over the summers. To others, I always denied my crush on him, but I'm sure it was incredibly obvious. Why is my dream brain still obsessed with my childhood crush that I haven't seen in seven years? How can I get him out of my dreams and intrusive thoughts? Can't my brain replace him with a random celebrity like Nick Jonas? Thanks. I bet you just wants to let go. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to let go of this guy, but I think there's, I don't think it's about the actual guy. I think it's about something that he is signifying to her from her childhood some feeling that she's seeking that this person represented. And the idea that like, she's excited about him, but then the wife is like, that's her, (laughs) just her dream brain kind of trying to integrate reality and fantasy. Yeah, no, totally. I wonder if it's like something about being chosen. Mm. Cause you know, she says she has this like crush that she didn't want to admit. And like, I think there's something about, a lot of crushes, even if they're not about the person, I feel like are about just like the need to be picked. Yes. Or chosen. And, and it's and she didn't say this, but it sounds like she never told him that she yeah. liked him. Like it was just a crush. And then he probably went and got married. And now she was never able to really even see right. where that went. So maybe there's a part of her that's like, if only I would have told him that I liked him in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I would. Sorry, <laughs> I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> That's not the lesson. <laughs> no, that is not the lesson. But yeah, I think that there's there's definitely something to the being chosen thing, which I think that's like the symbol of it, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea. What what is she seeking? She had this dream when she was in a relationship. She said so. I think there's more to maybe what was what this person represented to her that maybe even her ex didn't, she didn't feel fulfilled in her ex and now probably really doesn't feel fulfilled being single. Maybe there's like a safety thing. Like when you know someone as a child, right? they feel like a real, really safe person that kind of knows you that, you know, if they knew each other when they were kids, they probably like were silly together and just, you know, themselves. And so maybe there's a part of that just wanting to be kind of seen for who you really are or, something. So what should she do with this? Is there like a solve or is it just kind of like, it is what it is. We're going to be together every few months in my dream. (laughs) I think that it might be helpful for her to 
try to write down like what this person may have represented to her, you know, like write down, did he make you feel safe? Did he make you feel funny? Did he make you feel like, what was it that you guys had Mm -hmm. that perhaps you're not having? And it might inform her of what she is looking for in her next relationship that maybe she didn't even have in her last relationship where she was still kind of dreaming about this person. And maybe there is something to it. Like you said, he chose this other wife and not her. So maybe there is like that competitive, like I wanted him to pick me, but sounds like you didn't even tell him that you liked him. Um, Right. That's true. Or maybe it's a confident, yeah. Confidence thing about like why she didn't, she doesn't say why she didn't say something. Right. I mean, look, I guess maybe she wasn't getting the vibe from him, which again could lead back to that whole, you know, self-confidence thing. Like, you know, he didn't like her and he picked this other woman and now she still feels not chosen. So, you know, I guess I would look into that. Although she did have this dream when she was with someone. So she obviously was chosen by someone. Someone, right. But maybe that wasn't the person she wanted. But I, I think you can help unpack this by figuring out just what aspects did this person represent? It's not about him. I'm sure it's not about him. She hasn't seen him in seven years. It's about a feeling that she got and why she wanted him that is still lingering and unresolved for her. I think that's an interesting activity. Like, what about this person did you even really like? Mm -hmm. What did you like about him and how did he make you feel? I can't help but feel like there's something about the fact that he was from her young, young childhood like pre-middle school. That's pretty young. I don't know if it's an association with that time in her life or I do feel like people sometimes will cling to, I guess in the era of internet dating random strangers, there's something that feels really nice about someone yeah, yeah, from your past that you went to school with that's like you went to camp with or whatever it is that feels kind of like I'm not just dating this random hinge guy. So yeah, like there's a commonality or like something that brings you together. Yeah. I do wonder what that is. Like why, why is it so sweet and cute to like marry your high school sweetheart or like to rekindle with an old, yeah, someone from your past. Like somehow it feels like a better story or like more something you want to tell the kids about or. Yeah. More so than like a dating app for sure. I think Maybe it's just, again, it's like the their feeling of, I don't want to say like less desperate. Like there's something about being on a dating app that takes away like a lot of the mystery around will they, won't they. It's like people are, they're signing up to be will they. Right. You know? Or I, I wonder too if it's something around, and I, I'm into like the whole, like the universe sent this person to me. Like we met again on the subway and we hadn't seen each other since high school. And so somehow it's like meant to be. Yeah. It feels a little more magical. It feels more romantic because it feels like you overcame more odds, I think, in some ways too. Yeah. Which is, you know. Not really true. Not really true. Yeah. Interesting. I think there might be something there. It's a clinging. If she's like rejecting the idea of online dating, if that's what she's doing now, I don't know. But something about this, like I. That could be it. I had a couple once, it was a really pretty crazy story that they were like, you know, dated when they were 14 and then ended up getting back together again when they were like 60, which is cute. It's funny. You know, it feels really endearing. It does feel cute. But then I wonder if there's like a thing with the people they were with in between there 
where it's like, well, you never really got over them. <laughs> yeah. It's, to it's, an extent. That, I mean, in this case, this was probably a, a big, a big part of it. So you can use this, you know, do a little self-exploration around it. And I think once you, if a lot of times, if you do bring these feelings to consciousness, then they can slip away from your dreams a little bit. Cause your brain, your mind, a lot of what dreams are, it's like, I'm not, I don't have the time or the mental energy or the willingness to like confront this thing. So right. I push it down and then it makes its way into my consciousness in my dreams. So sometimes if you talk about it, it can relieve you. I agree. It takes the power out of it too. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got the most beautiful silk skirt from Quince. I am so excited to wear it. It fits amazing. It is so well-priced for the high quality it is. It looks so expensive, but it's actually quite affordable. Quince has amazing items like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash oversharing for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash oversharing to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash oversharing. If you're like me and your CD organizer was filled with, now that's what I call, discs that your dad literally burned for you, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. I have been using the Multi-Active Cream for a few weeks now, and I can already tell the difference. This cream does it all. It makes my fine lines and my pores look smaller, and my skin actually feels hydrated, which is really important for these like in-between seasons. I actually love all of their products. I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. You've been adulting a while, so the daily stress of trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yeah, it's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone, and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While multi-active cream can bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash oversharing and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. Clarins.com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. Let's do an overshare. Do you want to read it? Oh, sure thing. I'll read it. Hi, Naomi and Jordana. I love your podcast. Thanks for providing genuine and thoughtful advice. Hoping you can provide some to me on the following trigger of mine. I'm a 29-year-old female in my first serious relationship with my boyfriend, whom I love very much. We've been together for almost one year with plans to move in together later this year and eventually get married. We have a healthy relationship with great communication, respect, and love for one another. 
I'm a naturally anxious and sensitive person. And although I've worked to improve my attachment style to one that's more secure, every now and then my anxiousness will still show up in our relationship. Fortunately, my boyfriend compliments me well and helps tremendously with this. I have one specific scenario where I need help managing my emotions better. I've noticed that I feel very triggered when my boyfriend says that another girl is pretty in front of me. He's not doing this on an everyday basis, but every now and then girls come up in conversation when we're watching TV, scrolling Instagram together, or hanging with friends. For example, the other week he made a comment about an NBA player's girlfriend being kind of a baddie. He recently showed his mom a picture of his buddy's girlfriend and said she's very pretty. These comments about other girls often make me feel jealous and I immediately compare myself to what they look like. When I feel triggered in these scenarios, I remind myself of all the compliments my boyfriend gives me and that our relationship is much more than just outside beauty. No matter how many times I repeat this to myself, it's still difficult for me not to feel jealous. I brought this up to my boyfriend and let him know how these types of comments make me feel. He apologized and felt bad that his comments hurt my feelings. He said he had no intentions to make me feel jealous or upset and that these comments were meant to be lighthearted and express how he's happy for his buddy who's also found a beautiful girl to be in a relationship with. He said going forwards, he will work on filtering these comments. However, he's not perfect and can't always predict what comments are going to trigger me or not. I sincerely appreciate my boyfriend's response. I also think I should take responsibility in working on my own confidence and managing my emotions better. Do you have any tips or tools I can use during these moments? It's especially difficult when we're out in public or with friends, and I can't have this discussion with him right then and there. Part of me thinks I need to get better at admitting there are other beautiful girls in this world. Maybe if I agree with him and say, yes, she's very beautiful, instead of resisting these comments, we can carry on rather than dwelling on them. I wish I could be more like some of my friends who openly talk about other hot people with their partners. Maybe fake it till I make it. Sincerely, a triggered batch who wishes she weren't so easily triggered. This is an interesting one because I could see it an argument to be made for both resolutions in that sense. Yeah, the thing about this, I think, that annoys me, that would annoy me more in her position about what he's doing is it just seems like he's really preoccupied with, with people's beauty. Mm. Like he make the fact that he makes so many comments about it. Not like the idea that he thinks other women are beautiful is not offensive to me, but it's more that like he's just like audibly making these comments out loud quite frequently. It's kind of like you're really into this. So then it would make me kind of be like, oh, like I need to make sure I'm on top of my game because this is something that means a lot to you. You come in on this a lot. Right. I could see that, although and I don't know because maybe I'm not in the know with this, but a baddie almost doesn't see, is that a word for hot or is that just a word for like, you're like a badass? I'm a little too old for that word. I don't really know <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I almost assume it means like, you're kind of like, you've got more than, more than just hot. Like there's a personality component to that. I think. According to urban dictionary, a baddie is a girl who's always slaying the game and always on fleek this might be old too we're such losers <laughs> that we're looking this up right now but go ahead the i want to know extremely put together and looks phenomenal even on her off days Ah, <laughs> uh, okay so it's not what i thought i thought yeah, maybe it was like, more like a badass like a no, assertive no, kind it's of like, like a girl who's hot without trying sounds like <laughs> <laughs> okay that's um i could see why that would feel worse right. than just like oh she's like you know 
what's, killing it. Yeah, like sometimes. Career. <laughs> yes. Like sometimes I'll say, you know, like especially when it comes to sports, I'll be like, oh my God, that girl's a beast. And it's like a compliment. You know, it's like a beast you right. think would be like negative, but it's like, no, she's like strong and like confident and it, you know, anyway. Yeah, I could see that perspective. Although she does say it doesn't happen often. So right. I do think she probably has some responsibility here. And, you know, the truth is, and I say this, I don't know if this is the right thing. And I've been saying, cause you know, my girls are getting to be like tween and especially Maddie's like into how she looks and she wants to be popular. And it like, you know, it's not my favorite thing to deal with, <laughs> Yes, but I'll say to her, like, you're never going to be the prettiest girl. Like it's so sweet. <laughs> I don't know if that's mean, but like I think she has. Well, you're to, never going to be the most anything. Most, and like, that's what I say. Unless you are. Yes, I right. say to her, you're never going to be the best volleyball player. You're never in the world. Like you're never going to be the prettiest girl in the world. You're never going to be the best volleyball player in the world. Maybe that's not the message, but I'm also sort of like, if you can accept that you're not. It's like our conversation from last week. The idea of like. It's you don't have to be the best in order to be happy. You don't have to be the prettiest. There might be a girl that's prettier than you. You know, there's right. going to be someone that's smarter than you. There's going to be someone that's funnier than you. And you trying to be the best, the prettiest. I don't know that that's like a oh, really right. it's great in your New Year's resolution towards being mediocre. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but it's funny. It's like that 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 conversation is so interesting because you see like. And again, I don't know if these people are happy, but you see, like, I remember like reading about like Venus and Serena's dad, who was like, you're going to be like the best tennis player that's ever existed right. in the world. Right. And, like, they are. They are. Right. But like, <laughs> um, so it's kind of like the line between, but most people, even if someone told them that would not be. So yes, maybe they could be the best tennis player. And I'm sure that that's great. And they're happy that they got there. I don't know that they necessarily needed that speech to get there. And are they like happy? And now that they've reached the pinnacle when they're like, I don't know, 50, are they going to continue to feel like they're able to achieve happiness because they peaked right. when they were 30 or whatever it is? You know, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm not sure, but I do think that that plays in here is the idea of accepting that there's probably going to be women that, your boyfriend thinks you're beautiful and that's okay. You don't have to be the most beautiful. You have something, and she knows this because she wrote it in there, deeper than just attraction, um, which right. is what's keeping you together and what's making him pick you. But I see why, you know, I think another piece of this, why people get triggered when their significant others makes a comment about anyone is like, are they secretly wanting that thing? Like, are they s right. not saying anything, but they want me to whatever, I don't know, have blonde hair or right. whatever well, it is like, that this person, that? yes. That's what I'm saying. When you comment on something, it's like, oh, you're like into it enough to verbally say what it is. But it sounds like this guy, he's like pretty complimentary. It sounds like even to her, it sounds like that's just something he comments on a lot. Yeah. Which again, it's not necessarily bad inherently, but I could see why that would be a little annoying maybe, but like, it's not annoying when it's, when he's commenting on it about you. Right. So, yes. Yeah. I, I, I do get that. It feels sort of like, what if I don't 
maybe there's a fear. Like, what if I don't maintain or if we're going to be together forever? Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I find I find sometimes it disarms it to almost like make a joke of it if someone has done that or says that. Or yeah. Or like, you know, like lean into it. Right. Like, I don't know what the joke would be, but. <laughs> yeah. I think she could she could lean into it. I don't think she needs to make it a big serious thing, but I do think there's something about just accepting that your partner is going to find other people attractive and maybe even paying attention to other people, not paying attention, like talking to them, but like recognizing that you might find someone attractive. You're just not saying it out loud. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm sure there are people where she finds them attractive. She's just not saying it out loud. And I think sometimes depending on who the guy is, there is a culture around like commenting on women's appearance that he's working his way out of if I don't know how long they've been together. Right. Um, but he yeah, may need to adjust that he's showing his mom the picture of his like friend's girlfriend and being like, she's so beautiful. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, there. like that's a little strange, but right. again, it's not like a deal breaker, but it's funny. Mike has Mike's childhood crush was like Kate Beckinsale. Mm. And so we were watching Golden Globes last night and she was presenting. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, Not a good she's night. Like fi- she's like 50 now, but she looks incredible. Um, she looks younger than I do. Um, <laughs> she was like, so she comes on. I'm like, I don't know, she, looked inc- she looked so good last. I was like, ugh, disgusting, right? <laughs> she's like. <laughs> He's like, oh, hideous. Gross. Yeah. That's funny. All right. And that's because it's, it's it's almost like the opposite acknowledgement and it breaks the like ice of like, oh, like I know you love Kate Beckinsale and she's right and she's on the screen. Yes. And you <laughs> could first of all, it's great that you're saying that about a 50 year old woman, because then you have like another 16 years to, you know, feel like you've got um, you've I've got it. You've yeah. got it. Um, but yeah, I think that could be a funny way to to, you know. It's kind of like you're letting the person know that you know, and it takes like the weirdness out of, of it, yeah. uh, out of the situation. Yeah, like even if someone just walks up the street and you notice him, notice her, and you notice right. her too, you'd be like, "Ugh, gross, gross." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And it does. Like we like when when how when that happens, we will like laugh. I think right. it, it really does. Um, and it's again, it's based in like a very mild insecurity, but it's not when you laugh at it, I really think it takes the whole thing out of it. Cause it's like, like you said, like we're acknowledging there's other pretty people in the world yeah. and like we're, it's okay. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that advice. Just, you know, don't think too hard on it. I know in the moment, and then you can do the advice that I always recommend, which is just like recognize the triggering sensation in your body. This is me feeling protective of my relationship. This is my body trying to protect me from something that's important, you know, losing something that's important to me or my identity or whatever it is and just breathe, let the emotion pass through. I don't, you know, I know you want to, you had a conversation with him. It's fine. He'll try to tamp down the, you know, the comments, which I think will be great. But if it does happen again, I agree. Either making a joke out of it or just kind of breathing, letting it pass through and realizing everything you already know. Yeah. And the longer you're with someone, I think the less that kind of like the more secure you feel in it and the less it'll really bother. Like she says it's her first serious relationship. So I think that with time that those that kind of stuff will bother you less. 
Spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and get ready for summer. I take their yoga classes at least twice a week. I also love their core classes. I love that I can take it anywhere I go. If I'm traveling, I can always do a class. You can filter the classes by ones that don't need any equipment. I'm looking to get healthy. I'm looking to like feel good. And Peloton just makes it so easy. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, Peloton has classes for you giving you the flexibility you need to move your body. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class. If you want to level up, go to their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Or try yoga if you just need to ground yourself. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out so you can jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Peloton has everything you need to get where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Let's do a Betch assist. I'll read it. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I'm married with a one-year-old daughter and another on the way. My husband has a four-year-old from a previous relationship. My husband and his ex are both Jewish, and so is their daughter. I was raised Catholic, but I'm not religious and practicing. When we decided to have kids, we made the decision to raise them Jewish in that they will go to Hebrew school, get bar and bat mitzvah, etc., but that we will still do Easter and Christmas with my family non-religiously. So we'll still do Santa and the Easter Bunny. I knew this would be an issue with my stepdaughter when the time came that our kids were celebrating Christmas, which it has been this holiday season. My daughter turned one in the beginning of December, so although she doesn't really know what is going on yet, we did all the Christmas things with my nieces and nephews, like go see Santa, get a tree, stockings, gingerbread houses, etc. My stepdaughter is with us every weekend, so naturally also participated. And she loved it. I should also mention that she has no cousins on her mother's side, and on my husband's side, her cousins also celebrate Christmas and Easter while being raised Jewish. My husband's ex said that their daughter is not allowed to get gifts from Santa. Their daughter is fully aware that she is Jewish and mommy and daddy don't celebrate Christmas, but I do, so that is why we celebrate in our house. We have told her different people believe in different things and that that is okay. We tried to have many conversations with the ex about how she would feel being excluded, but she would not budge. At one point, she said we could have her on Christmas if we said the gifts were from me since I celebrate. But we said no because we did not want to set that precedent as the gifts will be from Santa for the other kids moving forward. It was very difficult because, as I said, she participated in all the other holiday activities in which the other kids were talking about Santa, etc. Now the ex is telling us that next year she's going to tell her the truth about Santa not being real, but that she can't tell her siblings and friends so that she will be able to participate. She will not even be five next Christmas, and I feel this is a lot to put on a child. I also don't see what the harm is in thinking in her thinking Santa brought her gifts. But her mother refuses to feed her a lie and also has a big issue with the naughty nice list because she doesn't believe in shaming children for developmentally appropriate behavior. Okay, fine, but I will be using it to help my kids behave better, so she will hear it. <laughs> How can we navigate this moving forward? Although she is not telling us what we can and can't do at our house. I don't want to confuse my stepdaughter or send her mixed messages. I'm curious how both of you would feel in this position, given that you were both brought up Jewish. Thank you for any insight or advice. Yeah, this is a sticky one. And this is part of mixing cultures and and blended families and, and yeah. all of that. I think she, she has to respect the mother's input here, I think. And I think 
I'm, I'm not exactly sure why she can't tell her that the presents that are coming to her are from her. I guess she's saying that she's going to feel left out, that they're not from Santa. I don't really know if that's... I think she's... I don't, first of all, I don't even think you need to make a big announcement about, about it. From. You could just be like, right. here's a present. And she'll be like, great, and open it up. And I, I think she's probably overthinking it and that the kid's going to be like, who is this from? Most four-year-olds don't or five-year-olds right. even, I don't think, really care. Right. They're going to get a from. gift. They're going to open it. So I think maybe the idea of like the presentation of who it's from is more of an adult thing that they're overanalyzing. And I don't think the kid's going to care. Maybe when they're like a little bit older, which you can cross that bridge when you come to it, because there's a lot that could happen between now and then. But I think all the adults in this situation are kind of getting a little nuanced. I don't think the kid's going to care if you just omit the sentence, this is from Santa or not. Like on Christmas morning, you take the gift out from under the tree, you hand it to her and she opens it. Yeah. I have to say, being celebrating Christmas with Mike's family, there is a lot of discussion about Santa. Right. <laughs> Even though like, it's all adults. Well, now, now they now now we uh have a niece. Mike's brother has a has a kid, so there is like a baby there. But it's kind of I think it's a small window between when the kid is old enough to know yes what is going on and not so old that they know that it's not real anyway. Right. It's kind of like two years, yes. maybe. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're maybe three, like, you don't really know what anything is. Mm-hmm. And if you're seven, you're probably like, eh, something's going on here. Right. It's like four, five, six. <laughs> I kind of agree. Yeah. yeah. I kind of agree with you. They don't really have to make a thing of it. I think she should like butt out a little bit and let her husband decide right. what to do on that. I just don't really feel like it's should be like her thing to work out. Right. The two of them. Yes. I agree. It's a complicated enough that you don't need three opinions on how to handle it. I think it's going to be complicated enough between the ex-wife and the husband to figure out how to present this. And it is a complicated thing. And I think it may be an issue. I just don't think it's an issue right now. Yeah. I think it's- it sounds almost like a little bit of like a power struggle between the two women a little bit. Yes. Like we not, I'm not going to say it's from me because I don't want to set the precedent. Like that seems a bit overthinking and excessive. I think you could for this year, I mean, this year's over. So, but for next year, even she's still going to be really young. I think you could just hand her the gift, not say anything. And if she's like, who is this from, which I doubt she's going to ask, you could say it's from me. Cause that's what the mom asked. And that one that's for your child is from Santa. And that's that, um, right. until they start asking questions. And then once they start asking questions, then this is when this conversation needs to happen. I don't think this conversation needs to happen now. At some point, maybe when they are six or seven, they'll start asking questions and then you can reevaluate where everyone stands on this because you'll be so much deeper into this blended family parenting thing that you might have a better idea of where, of how it's all playing out. And I find with kids, and I've had to do this a lot of times where they ask a question that you're not ready to answer and you just redirect their attention and then it moves on and then they don't really continue. Right. And then you can, the three of you get together and be like, okay, this is what she asked. She asked, why didn't Santa bring me a present? And then you can figure out what the answer is and address it. I think there's, I mean, again, just to explain, I think the Jewish mentality behind this, because I could see why in her end, she's kind of like, 
why are you being so annoying? Like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yes, right. I agree. I can right. see why she's thinking that. But to, uh, there is something about, and we kind of had this, I think, growing up, and I've talked about this, but we've talked about like having our own Christmas tree and how like it felt very shameful. Mm-hmm. Like there is something sort of brought up in many Jewish families, including ours growing up, that like to celebrate Christmas is sort of a mark of like losing your culture right. or something. Right, your identity as a Jew. Yeah, as a Jewish person, like that's sort of a differentiating thing. And the more you do that, the less you are in touch with like your Jewishness. I don't know why it is so intense as it comes to Christmas itself. Like it just seems like there's a really big need to like draw a line there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the reason, but I I know how. Maybe again, I think we could probably relate to how the the ex feels. Yes. In just kind of like feeling a little weird about it. Yes. Totally. So maybe you have some sympathy about that. Yeah. It's, you know? it is a weird time, I think, for Jewish people because you're really super excluded, but you feel like, in some ways, you probably feel like this is ridiculous. Who cares? Okay, fine. Decorate the tree, mm-hmm. do the gingerbread house. Santa brought the gift. Who cares? But I think because, you know, and this is something we could talk about down the road the idea of like holding this, you have to, cling to this identity as a Jew, I think specifically because we've been so threatened and, you know, we're such a small percentage of the population that it feels like we have to hold this thing. Otherwise it'll be gone. Like, I think that's what we're kind of taught and that's what it sort of almost feels like is like, if we don't hold our Jewishness as like an intense identity characteristic that we're going to be disappear from the face of the earth. That's the extreme view of it. And I think that's kind of what's taught and passed down. And I am very open to the idea of like reevaluating why we cling so hard to these little, they're like just symbols of something. It's not the real thing. Like being Jewish is not, not being Christian. It's being Jewish. Like, but we cling to that because it, it, um, I think there's like a insecurity there. So maybe that's what you're saying is like be kind of empathic to the insecurity that arises around that. And so she's clinging to this little piece. Um, right. And it does sound like she's trying to work with with her. She's not like absolutely no Christmas mm-hmm. anywhere. She's like, I'm okay with, the, with her doing the Christmas stuff. The gingerbread houses mm-hmm. it makes me a little uncomfortable, you know, to believe in Santa. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Look, I, it's a, it's a complicated issue. And I really, I'd love to have more of a conversation about clinging to these identities and where it comes from and the fear based mentality right. around this like intense clinging. I think it's really important to kind of reevaluate that. I feel that with my kids. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because you're sort of realize it's irrational, but you still just can't let go. Right. Well, you want to, again, you want to feel like you're like protecting something. And that was very deeply ingrained um, in us, I think, from childhood. Mm-hmm. I remember in our house, I feel like the only rules were like the Jewish rules. Right. Like, it was like you could stay out as late as you wanted, but there's no like pork. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, yeah. Which is weird. Like, you know, and it's funny. I remember in therapy kind of like unpacking that. It's like, it's kind of weird that like those were the only rules that everyone followed. There were absolutely no other like you must do this or that or like be nice to this person or 
you know, not drink or do any. It's like right. Just make sure you're not using the dairy spoon when it's a meat. Right. Product. Yes. And when you come out of it and you realize how ridiculous the whole thing kind of feels when it's not integrated into like, I think sometimes that's what happens when there's a fear based clinging to your religion is that it becomes more about like, I want to do this thing to preserve my identity or please my parents or maintain my culture versus like, what, what's the meaning behind this? Why am I doing this? And I think sometimes that's a little bit lost and that comes from this very primal fear-based action that's not, you know, like mindful and conscious. It's just protective and it comes from kind of a fear place. So I'm, I'm interested for myself. And I talk about identity stuff all the time. Like, who am I? I'm Jewish. I'm a woman. I'm a psychologist. Like, but kind of being able to disconnect a little bit from that ego kind of presentation that I have to the world. And what does it really mean to me? Right. And that allows you to evaluate what you actually want or what actually matters to you. Yes. But we don't sometimes stop to do it because there's this visceral, it's really interesting to watch, even as, you know, a Jewish person to watch that kind of ingrained intergenerational reaction to letting go. It's, and I get why it's hard, especially with all the anti-Semitism coming up. Maybe that's triggering her a little bit more. Like, I think that there is, um, like a clinging, which is happening and happens for a lot of people. So not an easy situation, but I honestly think that they can just avoid the whole thing until they can't. And when they start asking questions, then you can reapproach the conversation. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've been to therapy for many years, and I have to say, whenever I'm going through something really tough, therapy is the way out for me. It helps me like break down the issue, get to the heart of it, and figure out ways to cope with whatever is stressing me out. Nothing has transformed my life quite as much as my therapy experience. I can't recommend therapy enough, and BetterHelp is a great way into it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot overshare. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do some intentions. All right, I will read this. Hello, Jordana and Naomi. I am writing for an intention after a roller coaster of a year last year. I had a healthy baby boy, then discovered that I had an extremely rare form of cancer. I had two surgeries and radiation to remove it, and thankfully, I am now healthy and cancer free with a wonderful husband and happy one year old. 
However, I'm now required to take medication every single day for the rest of my life to ensure that my cancer does not return. I'm finding it very triggering when I have to take the pill as it's a reminder of everything I've gone through. I'm seeing it through a negative lens and I'm bitter that I have to do this every day forever. And it reminds me every day that I almost didn't get to see my son grow up. How do I reframe this mentality and use the task of taking my medicine every day as a chance to pause and be thankful for my health, my family, and all that I survived? Thank you. I can't wait to hear your intention for me. Sincerely, cancer-free, but still not over it. Batch. Yeah, it sounds like she has a lot of unprocessed feelings about the ordeal as much as she's saying she's like over it. Because I'm, it's funny. I feel like I, again, not having gone through it, can't at all say that I could relate to this issue at all. But when I like read the facts, I'm like, oh my god, how, what an amazing time to be alive! Yeah, that all you have to do is take this thing, and like you'll be fine. When like for something that would have killed you, like I don't know, sixty years ago, maybe. Right. Like what an incredible circumstance. Yes. Almost, yes. I could definitely see that I, the thing that came to mind, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this on here, but I've done a few times and I recommend it to people sometimes is like in Buddhism, they do a mortality meditation, like all the time, like almost there's some people that every day will meditate on their mortality, like saying things over and over again, like I will die. Everything that I love will be taken from me. I will, at some point I will you know, not have this life anymore or, you know, you know, basically every birth ends in death, those kinds of things where you're just really accepting the actual, one of the only, like I have all the things that we talk about on the show, all the fears, does he like someone better? Is he going to be committed? Did he say she's prettier than me? We don't know how anyone feels, but the only thing we do know is that everyone's going to die at the end of the day. But that's like the one thing that we're not really talking about or accepting or integrating into the facts of life very often. So it's kind of depressing. It's, it's depressing. It is depressing. So it's interesting because I'm like working through this intention for her and all the stuff I'm coming up with, I'm like, this is depressing, like taken (laughs) at, taken at face value. But the idea is that if you can every day be mindful of your mortality, that it has many benefits really. One of which is taking kind of the fear of death out of it. Because if you're confronting it every day, it doesn't feel, you're like, you come to a point of acceptance and it doesn't feel so scary. It's always going to be scary, I think, to die. But the idea that 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 outcome is like unacceptable. Right. It's like, no, you kind of have to accept that outcome. Right. We all do. Right. Yeah. So I think it helps you have gratitude. It helps you have compassion. It helps you appreciate the impermanence of everything. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I feel this way now. I'm not going to feel this way forever. I like my, I hate my job now. I'm not going to hate my job forever. I'm fighting with my significant other now. I'm not going to be fighting with them forever. Um, nothing is permanent kind of thing. So I don't know. It, it does like, I think it's depressing as an intention on a podcast that you're just going to (laughs) hear in the middle of your Tuesday. Well, with the context, it makes sense. Right. But I think that it really, 
like accepting death is really mentally healthy. Like it can bring you a lot of peace and freedom from fear. So that might be part. And she happened to, you know, sounds like kind of come close to that. So in some ways, as terrible as that is, you always hear about people that like have a near death experience and it like changes their life. Like they have a new appreciation for life or they can kind of see life in a different lens where they're not getting caught up in all the little nitty gritty details because they're aware of the big picture. So I think she has that gift now as terrible as it was to go through. Yeah. And that seems like a positive thing. And I mean, again, it's hard to like, I like my immediate thought was to reframe it, but I think if you're not in it, it's probably harder to see something as a positive when you keep seeing it as a negative, like someone just telling you to isn't going to do that. But let's hear your intention. So my intention for her is one day I will die. But today I am breathing in the breath of life and take a nice deep breath and appreciate that you have this day, you have this breath, but awareness that I can't cling. I just can't cling to this thing so hard. I think the idea of taking the pill is like a reminder, but not in a way that feels profound. It's like a reminder in a way that feels annoying. Like, why did I, why do I have to go through this? Why did I have to go through this? This is not fair. We're all going to get there. This isn't a you thing. We're all going to get to that place eventually. And I don't mean to minimize at all what she went through. Like it was huge. I can't even imagine giving birth and then suddenly having to worry about, am I going to even be able to see much of my child's life? Um, But she has to do this. And I tell patients that don't even have to confront death every day in this way of taking a pill every day, that this is a, a really good practice to do if you have, you know, health anxieties or death anxieties, or you're a hypochondriac or overanalyzing every little symptom in your body is just kind of accepting that like, I can't hold so tightly to this life. I mean, that's my sort of Buddhist leaning, obviously coming out. Yeah. I'll send you the mortality meditation. I I wonder if you did it, we could talk about it. It's, it's heavy, but it really, I think it brings you closer to what's important and it allows you to have that, that, kind of reset of like, okay, so the person didn't answer my text and that's annoying, but like I could also be on my deathbed today and not thinking about anything. Right. Yeah, no, it's true. I like your parenting style. You're all going to (laughs) die and you're not the most beautiful person in the world. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly has a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Get fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. 
And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code OVERSHARING20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code OVERSHARING20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code OVERSHARING20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, let's do some triggers. Have some fun. All All right. right. Dear Jordana and Dr. Naomi, greetings from Europe. I have a triggered scenario for you. I spent this Christmas with my one of my best friends and her family with whom I am very close. I decided to gift my best friend a silk robe as she had talked throughout the year about how she wanted one. I decided to take a risk with a bit of a funky color and print, but she has a very unique and vintage style, so I, so I thought there was a good chance that she would like it. When she unpacked the gift, I made a point to say that if she didn't like it, I wouldn't be offended, and she is free to return it and choose another item that she likes better. She seemed to like it, tried it on, hugged, and thanked me. A few days later, after she had traveled back home, the following interaction occurred over text. I would send you a screenshot, but they're in another language, so I'll translate below. Why don't I be the uh, friend and you can be the person writing in? Okay. You said I could return the robe, right? Monkey covering the face emoji. Oh, you did not like it that much after all? I checked the deadline for return shipping and you could return it until January 15th. I didn't like the color or the print at all. I couldn't bring myself to say it in the moment, but now I'm already back home and I don't have the package it came in. But it still has the tag on it, right? Oh, never mind. My mom already cut off the tag, so now it doesn't matter anyway. I was moderately tri- <laughs> and then, now this is done. I was moderately triggered by this interaction. I want to stress that I truly am not hurt or triggered by the fact that she didn't like the gift or even that she waited a few days to tell me. What triggered me, however, was the tone and nonchalance of her message. To me, there's a big difference between texting, I didn't like the color or the print at all, and thank you so much for thinking of me, but I don't like the color or print too much and would love to exchange it for a robe that more fits my style. Her messages seem thankless and completely disregard my feelings or the fact that I put thought into her gift. A simple thank you could have gone a long way. So I'm wondering how triggered I should be and how should I address it to her that this interaction really hurt my feelings? I don't want to make it a bigger deal than it has to be, but I tend to be very conflict avoidant in friendships and I want to work on communicating my feelings to friends even when they're uncomfortable. Thanks. All right. Um, I agree. She could have said something like, I love the robe. I think I, I just would prefer a different color. So I'm going to exchange it. Like right. I think that tact. would have, yes, yeah. a little more tact than I did not like it at all. She could have left those two words out and right. I think it would have, come off a lot better. It's funny. Do you ever get irritated by a gift that you really don't like when you get it? Yeah. I wonder what, what is that? Like it's a kind of an icky feeling where you're like annoyed that someone got you a gift that you so clearly like would not want. Right. Yeah. I could, I could see that. I think it's sort of like now I have to deal with this. Like I think for me, sometimes <laughs> put it like somewhere. Right. yeah, sometimes like I'll have someone that buys me a gift and it's very well meaning, but I'm like overloaded and I'm like now I have to deal with like this item and do I return it and I have to go through the process of returning it and I you know like right it's just like another homework. thing yeah I have homework now so that I think is annoying but maybe you're speaking more towards like they don't know me and that feels kind of not great. I think maybe it's a comp- it's probably a combination of both things. It's like one, 
now I have this thing that I have to just constantly look at and be reminded that I don't like until I, unless I do your homework, return it or do all this other stuff. And so maybe the, her friend was feeling a slight irritation with that. Like how like, could you possibly think of it? Like maybe there is, she's offended because she does say she has kind of like an interesting style. Right. So she might've been like, I know I have like, uh, my style is not the same as yours, but did you really think I was going to like this? Like neon cheetah you know polka dot print or whatever funky thing it was and there is something a little irritating about that even though it's irrational and of course like it's nice for someone to like try to do something thoughtful and try to get something you like and like that's a nice that's like sort of objectively nice even if they miss but I, i can sort of relate to the friend and feeling like I'm like a little annoyed, even though she she probably knows she doesn't really have a right to be. And maybe that's why she wasn't as. It was like a little passive aggressive. Yeah. Coming out with the at all. Like I didn't like the color or the print at all. All. (laughs) (laughs) Like don't ever buy me anything that looks like this again. This was not. Um, but it does that's sound the like. the issue with gift yeah, giving. I, yes. That's why I, I don't really like it. I find it very stressful. And then like. It's. I think you're more likely to miss than to hit. Yeah, I think you're more likely to miss because there's so many options out there for so many different things. Like I think maybe 200 years ago when it was like, I have a coat, you need a coat. Right. I'm buying yeah. you a coat. You're going to be warm. Here's your coat. And it's like, wow, this was awesome. Thank you. I needed a coat. Right. Now it's like, there's too many options and you're never going to get it exactly right. I kind of agree. But- that being said, she she's wondering, does she confront this? How does she confront this? It sounds like she wants to use this as her own personal challenge. Sure. To like communicate, <laughs> communicate her feelings. And I think she could say something like, I appreciate you being honest about the gift because I wouldn't want you to have to keep it just not to hurt my feelings, but it, you know, the way that you phrased it hurt my feelings. And I did try, you know, I did try to find something that I thought you would really like. Maybe I missed the mark. Yeah. And if they're going to get deep, she could be like, I know I have a funky style, but like, is this, uh, I was kind of offended that you thought that I would. It was this funky. Right. Yeah. Well, it almost sometimes she, maybe she's like, okay, she has like a interesting style, but maybe her getting her this thing sort of shows that she just, Almost it seems like her friend just thinks her style is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that if you, if what you're saying is right, that the friend was being a little passive aggressive, I think that might be the underlying thing is that she's like, I have a really great unique style, but you don't get it at all. Right. And I think you think that anything that's like off the beaten path is like what I would like. And that's not the case. Um, yeah. I have a very curated unique style and this doesn't make me feel like you appreciate that about me yeah and i could see that again it's not her fault that she doesn't get it but i think i've had that too with like people think you know i work in like the comedy space and sometimes they'll like get me like either a a card that they think that i would think was funny but is actually just really cheesy (laughs) you know what i mean like you think that this is my sense of humor Right. right like like espresso yourself or something like whatever. Like I'm like, I get that you like, you're trying. Cause you're like, Oh, she likes like funny stuff. Um, but it's almost more offensive that you think that like, yes. that's the humor. Yeah. Um, maybe, but they'll again, get, maybe they'll get deep yeah. in this convo and that would be great. 
you know, if they could really both share their own, you know, insecurities and triggers with each other. I have a feeling that's not what's going to happen here. But I do think if she wants to push it, she can say something about the way that you phrased it. And you said you didn't like it at all hurt my feelings. And I agree. She could have just said, I, I really wanted a silk robe. Thank you so much. I'm going to exchange it for another color. Do you have the receipt? That would have been the nicer way. I give it a three. Yeah. I was going to say three. It's a little annoying. Yeah. So yeah, a little annoying, but that's about it. All right. Let's do another one. Let's play the tape. Hi, I have a scenario for you. I wanted to see what you guys would think about this. Um, I've been going to my regular dentist for about five years now. He's a really nice guy. Sometimes he will have other doctors who come and practice with him. And it seems like they're there just for a couple of months or so before they move on um, after moving to our area. So this last time I went for a routine cleaning and x-ray and I was going to see the other, this new doctor. Um, The gentleman walks in and he's An older gentleman, very tan, perfectly white teeth, looks like he's had maybe some cosmetic things done, which is fine. That's what he's into. And he looked at my x-rays and said, you know, if you really wanted to do something for yourself, I think that you should consider getting braces. And I've never been told this before. Um, I finally, after having some dental work done, have a very comfortable bite. My teeth are not very crowded, just ever so slightly crowded. Um, And I said I wasn't interested. So he talked with me about a few other things. And before I was leaving, said, you know, you didn't hit the ugly tree exactly on the way down, but I really think you'd be much more attractive if you got braces or Invisalign and uh, straightened out your smile. And I said, well, I don't really want to spend the money on that right now. I'm happy with the way I look. Um, I said, if I did anything, I would probably do whitening and asked him about that. And he said, I think I'd rather have yellow teeth than have crooked teeth. And I said, okay, well, bye. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought of that recommendation of something cosmetic um, when the person isn't really seeking that. I'm going to go see the dentist again in another couple of months, and I'm kind of nervous to go see this guy because I feel like he's looking at me and just thinking I look terrible. So I just wanted to see how triggered you thought I should be. Thanks. This guy is insane. Ten. Yeah. Ten. extremely triggering. Terrible. He's in the healthcare field. Like, I just feel... uh, He's the problem. This guy's the problem. Oh, totally. It's like you're you're telling someone a problem that they didn't even think that they had that has absolutely nothing to do with their health. And the reason they're there is for their health. Yes. Like she's just trying to go get a cleaning so she can, you know, maintain her health. Can you even say, I don't think you hit the ugly tree? Like, like what? <laughs> That's crazy. This is, I, I, I like, want to know who this person is. I think this is. Report it, them. It's just the word. I mean, it, it, and it's one thing if it's like, I don't know, you go in for, to get your hair done, right? And someone says right. s- something. Have you ever thought about this color, whatever? Or even my point is, even if you go in to get your hair done and someone is mean and rude and says something about how you could be more attractive, but this person went to dental school, they went through healthcare training, they go through, you know, training, I would think 
to have predatory. Yeah. It's just, it's so unprofessional and it's not in line with what I think all types of healthcare professionals should be helping their patients with, which is to feel good about themselves and to feel, you know, like, again, like you don't need to have the most, you're never going to have the most perfect teeth in the world. Okay. You're, you're okay. Like that's all right. And to keep pushing it and pushing it after she said no thank you is just infuriating. Especially when there's so much monetary gain to be made off of that. Like he's probably like, I'd rather have have yellow teeth than crooked teeth because braces are like five thousand dollars and whitening you could get for like fifty. Yes. Um, so it's just weird like so clearly incentivized to sell you like the most expensive thing that benefits him that has nothing to do with just like wanting you to be beautiful. Totally. And I do feel like that word predatory is kind of what it feels like because of that, because he's a healthcare professional and he's making a recommendation that is going to put more money in his pocket by making her feel badly about herself so that he can, you know, at least when they do it online, they're not looking at you in the eye. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it really, it, it hurts my heart. I feel bad for her and she doesn't even want to go back there. I would for sure recommend that you not, I would just call the office next time you make an appointment and say, I will take an appointment with anyone but this person. I don't think you have to be back in front of him, but I, I just feel like it's one thing if you go in for, you know, Botox and then she tells you, Oh, maybe you could use a little filler. Like I'm going to you because I would like to look more beautiful. Right. She's not. That wasn't the reason at all. She was there. Wasn't right. even in there for that. So him trying to make her feel badly about himself as a professional, so that he could make more money, is really, really frustrating. Right. And then to double down, it's one thing to like lightly suggest something if they're interested in it, like, oh, you have like a little bit of a crossbow. Like, have you ever thought about braces? Yes. That's still kind of offensive, but, <laughs> but to. When she's like, no, I'm good. And then he like doubles down on it. I like after she says, I like the way I look. It's like really, really crazy. And the ugly tree thing like that's, I would, I mean, I'm not trying to get you involved in drama, but I would even mention something to the practice owner on that. That's just horrific. And he's probably, as we speak on a Monday morning at 11 o'clock saying the same thing to somebody else right now, making them feel badly about themselves. So this is, ugh. I don't like this at all. I feel really bad for her. It just feels like an abuse of power and manipulative. And yeah, I don't like this. All right. Very triggering. I'd give it a nine. Yeah. I mean, my 10 was my initial, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to give this a 10 because he's in a position of power. That's fair. And because he's, you know, a healthcare provider who's intentionally making her feel badly about Manipulative comments. Yes. I don't like this one at all. So use the word ugly tree actually should probably, even, even if it's saying you didn't hit it, I think is still, uh, you, but I think she said the- you did. I, I could read it. Didn't exactly <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, you, you graze the ugly tree on the way down. Right. It's like, I'm here for like the professional health cleaning of my teeth so that I can like not have pain, not like yes to, so that you think I look beautiful. And I think a lot of dentists will do the thing where they like at least will play it off like it has a health benefit. Yes. I've got, yeah, I've gotten pitched. I mean, I had braces, but like, right. I, like I've gotten pitched. Oh, it'll, like, your, your yeah. teeth will last Overbite, longer or, or they yeah. won't grind against each other or, you know, you'll, 
you're less likely to lose your teeth when you're elderly, or they'll give some kind of a thing that makes it feel like there's a health reason, not right. You know, yeah. At least scam us in a tactful way. <laughs> if you're going to scam us, <laughs> totally agree. All right, thanks for this, and thanks for the voicemail. I liked hearing her voice. It really did make me like feel her more because I like heard her voice and heard her saying like she's nervous to go back because they're making her feel badly about herself. Right, and- she's worried about what this guy thinks of her appearance, which is also insane. Yeah, I'm sure you're beautiful. Don't listen to them. You're never going to be the prettiest. Just accept it. Exactly. And you're, you didn't, exa- <laughs> even he said you didn't exactly hit the ugly tree, so you're fine. Um, All right. Well, we will be back next week. Again, email us over sharing at com, or you can leave us a voicemail and we'll see you next week. That's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Salz McCann. Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Thank you to our sponsor, First Response. A lot of us test more than once. That's why First Response created the Triple Check Pregnancy Test Kit, which includes three different tests all in one box. The kit includes the early results pregnancy test, one digital pregnancy test, plus one rapid result pregnancy test that gives you fast results in just one minute on the day of your missed period or any day thereafter. Each test in the kit offers a different way to learn your results so when the time comes, you feel as confident as possible. All First Response Pregnancy Test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. Betches.